Welcome to Inside the Vatican with America Media. Each week, veteran Vatican reporter Gerard O'Connell and I take you behind the headlines for an intergenerational conversation about the biggest stories out of the Vatican. This week, we'll talk about a video of the Pope slapping a woman's hand that went viral last week. Then, we'll update you on the growing tensions between the U.S. and Iran, and how the Vatican has responded. Finally, we'll talk about the new movie The Two Popes on Netflix and give you a rundown of what's fact in the movie and what's fiction. I'm Colleen Deli. This is Inside the Vatican. Good morning from New York, Jerry. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you and to our listeners. I'm in Buenos Aires, in sunny Buenos Aires today. I am very jealous of you. Um, let's get started with our first story. Over the holidays, a video of Pope Francis went viral on social media. In the video, the Pope is seen walking through a crowd in St. Peter's Square. He's touching people's hands, and then a woman grabs him by the hand and refuses to let go. He, She kind of yanks him back towards her. Um, and in this video, Pope Francis slaps the woman's hand twice. He says something to her, and then she lets him go, and he walks away looking pretty unhappy. This made the rounds all around the world on social media. Um, and the next day, the Pope apologized publicly for losing his patience with the woman. Jerry, I, I just wanted to ask you real quick. The Vatican said that the woman pulling on the Pope's arm might have caused the Pope a, a shooting pain. Can you explain why that is? Yes, he, he has. Uh, I mean, everybody sees when he walks, he yes, he uh, kind of a limp. Uh, he's got sciatica. On, and he suffered for sciatica in the past, but it's under control. But it's easy to trigger the pain. And obviously, the way those who have seen the video, uh, she, she pulled him rather strongly. Now, the, the, obviously, it seemed to have caused him quite a bit of pain. And in the past, the security would have stepped in and kind of freed him, but uh, no, nobody stepped in. Right. A lot of people have been asking about that. Yes. You remember, uh, we spoke about it here on the program before Christmas, I think it was in November, was it? The Pope accepted the resignation of his former secure, top head of security, a man who was like a street cop in many ways. He, he really was very much watching what was on the ground. And he replaced him with a man who was more on the intelligence surveillance uh, expertise. But at this point, on this occasion, nobody intervened. And the Pope was kind of left by himself, as it were. Jerry, you've covered a bunch of Popes at this point, well, three, uh, John Paul II, Benedict XVI, and Francis. And you've seen, you know, popes kind of lose their tempers before. I was wondering if you could share a story. Well, popes are, are human beings like the rest of us. Uh, John Paul II, I remember very clearly. I, there is one instance that is probably unknown to the public. Was uh, John Paul II was at dinner in the Vatican with uh, bishops from an Eastern European country, and he was trying to encourage them to be more ecumenical, more open to the Orthodox churches. And they were throwing reasons to him uh, why this wasn't really a great idea. And uh, he, he, at a certain point, he lost his patience and he banged on the table, smashed a plate. Oh, my goodness. And th they were all stunned. Uh, but that never came into the public domain. I, I got this uh, later. I've seen a lot of the comments on tweets and some people saying, well, you know, he... Look, this man says, you, you respect women, and here he slaps them. 
Right. People are saying that because his speech the next day focused on uh, the Virgin Mary because it was her feast day, one of her feast days. And he talked about fighting the injustices women face, which includes fighting violence against women. And some reporters chose to focus on, uh, you know, pointing out the apparent contradiction between him slapping a woman's hand and talking about violence against women. But this talk was preceded by his his apology. Um, He said, Love makes us patient. We often lose patience, and so do I. And I apologize for yesterday's bad example. And um, other reporters chose to focus on how the Pope's admission of wrongdoing was a a rare example of a good celebrity apology, you might say. You can read more about this story at americamagazine.org, and as always, I will link in the show notes. For our second story, on January 3rd, a United States airstrike killed Iranian General Qasem Soleimani, ratcheting up tensions between the two nations and raising the threat of a direct confrontation between the two countries. In the following days, Iran took the final step towards dissolving its obligation to the Iran nuclear deal. And on Sunday the 5th, without naming names, Pope Francis addressed the tension being felt around the world. Jerry, what did the Pope have to say about the situation? Well, the Pope was very clear. He he has said, I call upon all parties to fan the flames of dialogue and self-control to banish the shadow of enmity. And then he spoke about the war. He's made clear that that, that war uh, resolves nothing. It brings death and destruction. And uh, I think he's he's got very much in mind the situation in the Middle East over this past 40 years. And uh, here now you have a new American intervention, which really risks precipitating the situation gravely. And uh, if this becomes a war, as many people seem to think is really possible at this point, we're really in the most dangerous of situations for the world. Jerry, what are what are Eastern Catholics on the ground saying? Because they're the ones who are most affected by this. Oh, they, they are dismayed. They had hoped that they in Iraq, they could begin to rebuild their lives. Many of them have left the country and will never return. The Christian population has really been diminished gravely because of the 2003 war, as the Vatican had predicted, as John Paul II had predicted that it would have a disastrous effect on the Christian community, but also on Christian-Muslim relations. The Christians see no good coming out of this. There's no good for them because it does not help them to build peace. Uh, the Patriarch Sacco made very clear that this is not the path forward. And I think this is very completely shared by people in the, in the Vatican, but also by Christian leaders around the world. I think the Pope on the 9th, that's two days' time, the Pope will meet the ambassadors from all the different countries, 188 countries who have diplomatic relations with the Holy See. And I think he will make very clear that war is in nobody's interest except those who are making arms. It is certainly not in the interests of the people of Iran. It is not in the interests of the people of Iraq. It is not in in the interests of the Middle East. Jerry, um, a lot of analysts are seeing a parallel between this attack and the U.S. invasion of Iraq in 2003. You were covering the Vatican back then. Um, I'm wondering, how did Pope John Paul II react to kind of a parallel situation? John Paul II was prophetic. 
he, he came out very strongly. He said, this is the road to destruction, not to peace. He called all the ambassadors together and he made clear the Holy See is against this war. It will, and he laid out the reasons, it will be disastrous for the people living there. It will be disastrous for Muslim-Christian relations. It will put tension across the world. And, and uh, then he made clear also that, that there was no exit strategy. He sent his envoys to Saddam Hussein in Iraq and to George W. Bush in Washington to tell them, please, please refrain from going to war. And really the message was to the United States and, and to Britain. When Archbishop Pio, later Cardinal Pio Laghi, who knew the Bush family, gave a letter to George W. Bush, urging him not to go to war, to find, explore dialogue, George Bush didn't even, even open the letter. He didn't even open the letter. He put the letter down on the table, and in front of the Pope's envoy, he made clear that, you know, he wasn't going to be turned around. And when, when the envoy was leaving, one of the top American officials said to him, don't worry, Cardinal, we will get this over quickly. And uh, the American bishops at that point stood by the, with the Holy See. I, I, I'm, uh, we're waiting for, to see what will happen now, the silence. Right. The USCCB has yet to comment on the situation, um, and it's been several days now. Um, Jerry, I'm wondering, you know, do you think there's any likelihood that Pope Francis reaches out either to President Trump or to the Iranian leadership to try to, you know, get some sort of dialogue happening? The Holy See has good relations with Iran. It has good relations with Iraq. Indeed, the Pope was contemplating visiting Iraq later this year. The Vatican has a nuncio in both countries. And the nuncio in, in, in uh, Iran said a few, few days ago, told Vatican Radio that the Pope is very concerned. He's been in contact with him. Pope Francis will certainly take any step that he believes can break the impasse here and turn the countries away from war. I mean, it, it is really disturbing when you hear President Trump say, in a tweet that he, there are 52 targets that the United States would hit in Iran if Iran retaliates for the United States killing of their general. We're at a very serious moment in history. Pope Francis has spoken already that there's a third world war being conducted in piecemeal. If we go down the road here of war, I think the piecemeal will become whole war. All right, Jerry, you and I will keep our listeners up to date on what the Pope says about the situation here on Inside the Vatican and on the situation as a whole. If our listeners want to read an update as soon as the Pope gives his talk, we will have that at americamagazine.org. Jerry, you and I have been talking about two popes all the way through the show today. We've been talking about Francis and John Paul II, but let's talk about two other popes. Uh, Netflix's new movie, The Two Popes, became available to stream on December 20th. Uh, the movie gives a fictionalized account of the relationship between Pope Francis and Pope Emeritus Benedict. So, Jerry, my first question for you is, have you watched the movie? I've seen it, yes. What do you think? Well, it's a powerful movie. I think it's going to be a big hit. It is already a big hit. 
it uh, brings attention to the papacy in, in, in a way that is popular in a way. You don't have to be a Catholic to watch it. You don't have to be a believer to watch it. I've, I've had a lot of comments from people asking me, is this really what happened? Because many people know I, I wrote the book on the election of Pope Francis. And so people, some who've read my book and other people who know that I cover the Vatican, they keep saying to me, you know, is this the true story? And uh, I say, well, you know, this is a fictionalized version. Yeah, I watched the movie as well, and I, I knew that it was heavily fictionalized. Um, and watching it from that angle, it, it, the, the movie just came off as being a really heartwarming story about these two men learning from their past and having this kind of unique friendship despite their differences. And of course, the acting was superb. Um, so, Jerry, let's talk through what's true in The Two Popes and what's made up. We know that Cardinal Bergoglio, the future Pope Francis, was a top contender at the conclave that ultimately elected Benedict, and this is a big plot point in the movie. Um, but did anyone expect him to win in 2013 like the movie showed? Absolutely not. Pope Emeritus Benedict is on record in an interview after his resignation saying that I really didn't consider him a candidate. I didn't expect him to be my successor. I remember very well, I wrote in my book that when Benedict announced his resignation, my, my first reaction was to call Cardinal Bergoglio. So I phoned him. And I remember well his reaction. It was total silence. He, he, he was stunned. So the central part of the film, which has Cardinal Bergoglio, coming from Buenos Aires at the invitation of Benedict, the two of them having conversation in, in Castle Gondolfo and elsewhere, this is fiction. Right. The whole movie kind of makes it out like Benedict had set Bergoglio up to be his successor after this long conversation. But in reality, they never met to discuss this. And Bergoglio, like you mentioned, was, was surprised just like everyone else. Jerry, what did you think of the flashbacks to Cardinal Bergoglio's life in Argentina? The thing about his romance and his actions during the Dirty War, were, were those accurate? I think they're a bit, they're somewhat fictionalized as well. I, I, the, there was this brief moment where he, he himself says he was attracted by this young woman when he went to a wedding when he, at the time when he was in the seminary. But uh, everybody experiences... Uh, attractions that challenge the main direction of one's life. In a week, he, he had uh, reaffirmed his own commitment to the call that he had received when he was about 17. So he was never engaged to a young woman before entering the seminary? No, 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 no. No, he was never engaged. And uh, one woman claims to have been closer to him, uh, but uh, the, the, the reality is that there is more fiction and fact here. Then in terms of the question of how he dealt with the Jesuits during the period of the military dictatorship in Argentina, I believe that the portrayal of Bergoglio's role and the alleged uh, collusion or hinting at collusion with the military where he should have taken strong, stronger stance is, is not quite accurate. We now know that Bergoglio took great risks to save people's lives, including the two Jesuits. And he set out to protect them from death. And in fact, 
the historical record shows that no Jesuit was killed during the military regime, that he, he, he did manage to protect them. Jerry, one last fact or fiction question here. Um, did Francis and Benedict watch the World Cup together? I know for certain that Pope Francis did not watch the final of the World Cup between Germany and Argentina. Benedict, I suspect, did, because he, he, he used to watch the television. But for years, Pope Francis, as Cardinal Bergoglio before, did not watch television. Oh, that's the exact opposite of what I expected, because Francis comes off as such a soccer fan, and Benedict did not. One last question for you. Jonathan Price, who plays Pope Francis in the movie, uh, he came on our Jesuitical podcast, American Media's Jesuitical podcast, and he said that he knew that the Pope had been given a copy of the movie. We were just talking about how the Pope never watches TV. Does he watch movies? No. He used to, he, as a young Jesuit, he used to watch a lot of movies. I remember going to the, the Jesuit uh, Collegio Maximo in, in outside Buenos Aires, and the, the, there's a whole range of movies there that people, that they watched. But not now, no. He sometimes sees video clips, but usually of things like linked to refugees, linked to human trafficking, linked to uh, war, uh, linked to disaster. Uh, when people, you know, come with their phones and they show him little uh, clips. I'm sure somebody has given him a copy of the film, but uh, that he has watched it, is, I would bet my bottom dollar he hasn't. <laughs> so it's unlikely that uh, Pope Francis has watched the two popes or will watch it. Uh, but if you want to watch the movie and listen to our Jonathan Price interview on the Jesuitical podcast, I will link to that in our show notes. You can also find it in your podcast feed if you search Jesuitical. All right, Jerry, that's all we've got for today. Thanks so much for calling in from Buenos Aires, and I'll chat with you next week. Thank you. I'll be back in Rome. All right, we'll see you then. One last thing, if you're enjoying Inside the Vatican, maybe you've learned something new, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. It would really help us get the word out about the show. Thanks. Inside the Vatican is produced by America Media at our William J. Lowshirt studio in New York City. This week's episode was produced by Sebastian Gomes. Our news producer is Kevin Clark. Our audio engineer is Tucker Redding. Inside the Vatican is mixed by Noah Levinson. Our studio manager is J.R. Kronheim. You can find in-depth and up-to-date Vatican coverage at americamagazine.org or follow us on Twitter at americamag. For America Media with Gerard O'Connell, I'm your host and producer, Colleen Dully. We'll see you next week. <laughs>